Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. You're tuned into the Paul Leslie Hour. This is the second installment of A Celebration of Paul Williams, our tribute to singer, songwriter, actor, and recovery advocate, Paul Williams. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are glad you're here. This is the Paul Leslie Hours interview with composer, pianist, arranger, and producer Kenny Asher. He's composed some wonderful music. In fact, one of the most beloved songs around, Rainbow Connection, with lyrics by the great Paul Williams. We're celebrating Paul Williams in this little series. So, Kenny Asher, how are you? I'm good. I'm glad to talk to you. Uh, you know, Paul is an old friend as well as a collaborator, so I'm, you know, I'm delighted to, we've, we've shared some wonderful times together, uh, socially and just we're like, uh, you know, sort of coast to coast brothers in a way. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've had a wonderful time writing together. We have a certain simpatico about our aesthetic and so, uh, it's always enjoyable to work with him. I want to get into Paul Williams, but for just a few moments, we were talking off the air just a, a couple minutes ago. I'm a fan of the Woody Herman Orchestra, and one of our friends and listeners, John Paradise, is also a fanatic. I'm hoping you can tell us about this experience that you had with the Woody Herman Orchestra. Well, let me see. I had just graduated college, and um, this would have been in 66, and uh, I was all set to go back to Atlanta, uh, and and I had a gig lined up with a singer. We had a nightclub gig, and we also were going to do a 10 o'clock uh, in the morning talk show, local talk show on television. So I was really looking forward to it. It was like a dream gig for me. I was, you know, you know, 21 years old, and and then the telephone rang. Just uh, I would say about three weeks before starting this Atlanta gig. And it was Woody Herman's manager, and apparently what had happened is and I had subbed uh, at the last minute for a piano player with the Frank Foster Orchestra, Frank being famous for shiny stockings and working with the uh, with the Count Basie Orchestra. And Frank had subbed with Woody's band the previous weekend, and they were looking for a piano player because their regular guy was going to leave. And Frank recommended me, and, and uh, make a long story a little shorter, uh, the telephone rang, and... and it was Woody's manager, and he asked me if I was able to to work with Woody for the for the summer because uh, I was going back to school in the fall. I was was getting a master's degree, and I said I was available for about three months in the summer. And uh, so uh, somehow uh, my dad helped and got me out of the other gig for Atlanta, which I, I felt sort of weird about leaving but uh but you know like my dad said i i really couldn't down uh, turn down woody herman it was a dream gig because i'd heard that band when i was six years old uh, <laughs> so this is a dream come true for me and woody was delightful and helpful and uh, just was well i had a great time with that band and of course being 21 and seeing parts of the country and eventually the following January, when we went to Europe, which was my first time over there, 
So I got to see some of the world and, and you know, a lot of the United States and play some great music with a very good leader. Very, very, I don't know, I just really liked Woody very much. He, I think he was generally well-liked by his players. I had to ask you about that. There's just been so many great recordings from the Woody Herman Orchestra that I've enjoyed. So... We were talking in the beginning, and I was introducing that you were the composer of Rainbow Connection, which you yeah. wrote with Paul Williams. Can you tell us about the first time you met Paul Williams? Yes. <laughs> I was originally Paul's playing piano for Paul. My friend David Spinoza had made the just an old-fashioned love song album with Paul on A&M Records, and Paul was coming into New York to do The Tonight Show. Now, Paul, at that time, had not performed. He wasn't, up, he wasn't really a performer. He, you know, he was writing songs with Roger Nichols, and all of a sudden, he got a call to, to go on The Tonight Show. Now, at that time, The Tonight Show was still based in New York City, so Paul came in, and we had a rehearsal, and David Spinoza got called me and hired me as a piano player and a drummer named Herbie Lavelle and a bass player named Russell George. We had a quick rehearsal of two tunes, and Paul went on the air, which his first gig performing, you can imagine, for I don't know how many millions of people watching The Tonight Show. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> and so I, I stayed with, basically I was a, a, a pianist for Paul, and then we did some gigs at the Bitter End in New York. We did the Main Point in Philadelphia. And then we went to Japan. And we ended up talking one one afternoon. We had we, we did a couple of concerts in Japan and, and some radio programs. And Paul and I went, we were just sitting around talking in the afternoon before the concert one day. And we started talking about our our good our favorite songwriters and we discovered we had we shared so many of the same favorite songwriters uh, you know just to mention a few James Taylor Paul McCartney Stevie Wonder Cole Porter Gershwin obviously all the great American songbook writers and um, you know we just had a nice conversation about all these people and then um, we did our gig in Japan came back to the states and got another gig working in England. And uh, my work permit didn't come through. We were supposed to do TV shows in, in, uh, and then record in London with Paul's producer, Michael Jackson. Not, not the famous Michael Jackson, but, but, but sort of the, uh, another, Michael is a producer that produced Paul's first two albums on A&M. And we went to London, and uh, the guitar player and I, who accompanied Paul to London, our work permits didn't come through. And being very strict about this, we could not play the TV shows with Paul. So um, what had what had happened is um, one, you know, I, we had to go to the we went to rehearsals. We explained to the musicians how this music went, but we literally, I could not touch a piano. I guess the, whatever union rules applied in those kind of cases, I could verbally explain things to the piano player, but I could not actually show him by playing. But we got through it, and one afternoon, Paul and I, I guess we I, we woke up and we went to an antique fair in the morning in Bermondsey, which is a section outside of London. 
We came back to the hotel. We went to the Inn on the Park for breakfast. And as it so happened, Sammy Kahn was in London at the time. And so, Paul, we said hello to Sammy Kahn and at the restaurant at the Inn on the Park. And then came back to where we were staying. And there was a piano in Paul's room. And, we, you know, Paul said, why don't we just, you know, write a song or something, you know, or, or, because, we, you know, I couldn't play and I couldn't work, so, so to speak. And I said, gee, do you really want you want to write a song? And he said, yeah. He says, play me some stuff you've written. So I had played him a few melodies, uh, some songs I had written on my own. And we ended up um, writing a song, our first song, <laughs> which was not the Great American Ballad, which I sort of, uh, I was very excited when Paul asked me to, to, to write a song with him. But our first song was a song named uh, Nelson Sings Newman. Because we had previously, the night before, we're talking about two uh, two more of our favorite writers, Randy Newman and Harry Nelson. So I said to Paul, I said, you know, when you go on television, you sing these romantic songs, and then you go on the panel, and you're very funny. So I said, let's write a funny song. And so we wrote 52 seconds uh, is the length of the song called Nelson Sings Newman. And um, Paul, uh, you know, was written to be in the style of Harry Nelson and Randy Newman. And Paul said, well, why do you want to call it Nelson Sings Newman? I said, because I said that's sort of part of the joke, because in those days when we, when you bought LPs, as you probably remember, they would always have advertisements for other LPs on the back of the of the album, and you'd say, if you enjoyed this record, you'd probably enjoy this one. And so uh, I said, when when the album, you know, when you if if, the, if you ever record this, people will pick up the album and say, gee, that's the name of a song. I, that's the name of an album because Harry uh, Nilsson had done a record called Nilsson Sings Newman. And then I started thinking, in almost in a cinema, uh, cinematographic way, uh, I said, well, after playing this very just rhythm section, very Randy Newman-ish, Harry Nilsson-ish kind of song, very funny lyrics, I said, what, ha- what would happen is if we were listening in, the, in a theater to this song and... All of a sudden, you know how the curtains would open up in the theater and it would be CinemaScope or VistaVision. And you'd go from this really basic Harry Nelson, Randy Newman song into a string intro. And, I, and Paul looked at me and, I, and he said, well, doing what? And I said, well, that was an orchestra. It would be an orchestra, not just strings. And I played the intro to You and Me Against the World. And Paul looked at me and because Paul is very he's also very uh, into the movies like I am and he sang the first notes with the lyric you and me against the world which we we were now off to the races i mean we went from never having written together to writing a funny song now we were writing right away nelson sings newman and we basically structured that song that afternoon very quickly the melodies, the chords, everything. Paul wrote much of the lyric. He not, didn't write all the lyric. And then we we wrote another song that same afternoon. Again, we finessed it later, but Paul, we also wrote a song called You Know Me, 
where Paul, I think the, the verse, we, um, Paul wanted to write a verse for a song, which very few people do. And he said, uh, sentimental fellow, sometimes over mellow, mellow, writing verses, writing verses no one plans to do. I know I'm no Cole Porter. I'm noticeably shorter. Do I deserve to have someone like you? <laughs> and again, it was pick, picking up on the, the funny side of Paul, but very serious. Paul, Paul to me, was like a Johnny Mercer type of writer. He could write wonderfully colloquial lyrics, and he could write beautiful, absolutely elegant lyrics. And, you know, because of his sense of humor, he could go from one side of himself to the other very, very, very eloquently, I thought. So we really basically wrote Nelson Sings Newman and You and Me Against the World and... Um, you know me. That afternoon, we, you know, Paul was finishing. Uh, he would work on lyrics, and I would finesse a little bit here and there. And and then we, uh, his manager, or rather, excuse me, his producer, couldn't fly. He he had a cold or an ear infection or something, and he couldn't fly because we were supposed to do an album in London when we were there, and Michael couldn't come over, so we uh, they canceled the session. And Paul said, well, why don't, why don't you produce the record and we'll just go to L.A. and we'll do it. And that's what ended up happening. A few months later, I flew out to L.A. and we started that album, which was the Here Comes Inspiration album, for which we wrote the song Inspiration. So it was, you know, basically going from never having written together to um, it reminded me, uh, I don't know how many people are going to remember this, but... There was a show on TV called the Colgate Comedy Hour, and Martin Lewis did a week, and Eddie Cantor did, and I forget some of the others, but Donald O'Connor also did a skit with a with a co with another comedian whose name Sid I can't remember Sid's last name, and they one of their skits was based on two, a songwriting team, and they pretended to write songs and get inspired, and I said. <laughs> I said to Paul, I said, that's like what we're doing here. I mean, you know, we're just, we're, we're winging it here. We're, we're, you know, we were, we were literally just sailing with inspiration. We really were. And then, uh, on that record, um, I had previously arranged for an Alice Tully Hall concert here, which we did with the, uh, Paul's rhythm section and a string quartet. I had arranged, um, rainy days and Mondays for him. A uh, song he wrote with a uh, wonderful song he wrote with uh, Roger Nichols, and I wrote a string quartet arrangement uh, for that, and we ended up doing that on the album. And uh, I wrote a lot of the orchestrations and the arrangements for that record, and then the songs like Inspiration, You and Me Against the World, You Know Me, Nelson Sings Newman appeared on that record. And then, oh, I guess I don't know how long it was before our second album. Uh, a little bit of love was at least a half a year later, or maybe you know, maybe nine, six to nine months later. I can't remember, but um, it was a wonderful, very inspired period of both of our lives. One time, I found myself down in Key West, Florida, and I was seated with Jerry Jeff Walker. We were outside, oh my goodness, looking yeah. at the water, and I asked him. It was towards the end of the the, the interview. And I said, what's a great song? Like, tell us, wh what songs really inspire you? Not just ones that you wrote. And he said, I'll tell you, Rainbow Connection. Oh, my goodness. 
And I'm hoping you can tell us how have you seen, because that's a, a very special song, I think. How have you seen that song affect people? It has been a very rewarding experience. I do a gig at uh, Jazz Nightclub when when it was open. Uh, it's obviously not open during the pandemic, but there's a club, a jazz club in New York, where we do a Friday evening set with the big band from five to seven or five thirty to seven on Fridays. A wonderful gig, and occasionally they ask me to play Rainbow Connection on the piano, and it, I mean, it is so fantastic. People come up and tell me what that song has meant to them for their lives. It's it's apparently meant so much to so many people that when I play it, it, it people come up to the stage after we're, after we're done and they tell me how much the song has meant to them. The one, one drummer uh, friend of mine told me that let me see. Uh, well, of course, he's he's a generation younger than I am, so he would have been a young uh, a young person when that song was first heard in the Muppet movie. And he said, "Do you know what that song is?" And I said, "No. What does it mean to you?" And he said, "He felt that this, that song was the song of his generation, which just really put me away when I when he said that. It has been very satisfying and very rewarding, as I say. It is." Uh, you know, with different people recording it, uh, you know, Kenny Loggins and well, there's a Willie Nelson version and all the different different people have done it. And, uh, you know, Kermit's, <laughs> Kermit's version is obviously the classic, uh, not, the, not the others are, uh, that I appreciate everybody and anybody who has ever recorded it or sung it in a, in a, on a record or on a CD or, or uh, for, for a cabaret gig or in a concert. But, but uh, everybody comes up and asks about Kermit doing it. And then I, I, I usually explain that uh, it was the last song we wrote for the Muppet movie. And we were... We'd been working very hard, and we were sitting down to dinner, and Paul's wife looked at us, and he says, you guys look tired. And I said, well, we're looking for this this thing. We're looking for this. Uh, we want to write a song and pay tribute to rainbows, like Look to the Rainbow from Finian's Rainbow and Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz. And Paul had written a line for a song called... Uh, won't last a day without you, where he wrote a line, there's no getting over that rainbow. So this was Paul and my, my idea that we wanted to pay tribute to songs about rainbows, but we were very frustrated because it, we had written all the other songs for the movie, but we hadn't written this one. And uh, I said, well, I know it's going to be a waltz. I know it's going to be in 3-4. And Paul said, how do you know that? And I said, well, I just think it'd be very charming to have Kermit play his banjo and it would be a waltz and but we didn't know what how what we were going to write yet so consequently Paul's wife looked at us both and she said well you guys are looking for the rainbow connection <laughs> and we literally we were having dinner we got up from the from the dinner table we went into the Paul's music room and Paul said an interesting thing to me. He says, he says, take your index finger and play a melody and don't play chords. Just play the melody. And I played da 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 ba da 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 ba da excuse my pitches. But but Paul said, That's it. 
And again, because of our inspiration working together, this song all of a sudden, uh, I can't say it wrote itself, but it, it came out very quickly. And it, it has been, I don't know, I don't, it's very hard to describe the satisfaction that we both get from the reactions that, that we get from people. And this goes back, I can't remember, it was either 75, 74, 75 or something, maybe 77. I can't remember the exact date when the movie came out. But um, this goes now, that's uh, close to 25 plus, uh, that's 45, <laughs> I can't believe it's almost 45 years ago. And um, it's been it's been a wonderful blessing for both of us. Hmm. We're talking with Kenny Asher, composer and friend of Paul Williams. We're celebrating Paul Williams, who is turning 80 years old. What does Paul Williams mean to you? Well, as I said, we are like brothers. Uh, we are... Uh, uh, he's out out in L.A. and I'm here in New York. Um, this is how our lives have been. Uh, you know, this is how we lived our lives. Uh, we, you know, after we wrote them, the Muppet movie, we were, you know, we had been working on our careers for, you know, for most of our adult life, and decided it was time to have families. So, uh, you know, I came back to New York, and as a matter of fact, we were, uh, my wife and I were expecting our first child while we were working on the Muppet movie. And we both went off and had families, and when we talk on the phone, um, it is like no time has passed. We hit the ground running, and uh, it's um, he certainly his generosity and his kindness and his humanity has influenced all have influenced me very very much in my lifetime. I think about him quite a bit. Uh, I love the songs that we've written together, and I love the songs that he's written by himself, and I love the songs that he's written lyrics for with other people. I think he's um, he's a, a giant, giant uh, songwriter, uh, obviously in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. But it's uh, we have a nice human connection. It's uh, certainly an important he's certainly an important person in my life as a friend and as a working partner. I also it, 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 to use a, a song title. He, he just he's very inspiring to me. He's, his his sense of humor and his sense of romanticism and our our mutual love of the movies and and all these things that we share. I only wish it upon other songwriters that they have that same respect and feeling for each other. Well, Kenny Asher, I really really appreciate you contributing to this series. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been great to talk to you, and I hope at some point we can talk again. I know there is so much more to the Kenny Asher story. Well, I've, I've had, uh, I'm having, I should say, I can't put it in the past tense, I'm having a wonderful life, uh, m uh, you know, musically and otherwise, and uh, I enjoy uh, I, my various hats that I've, I've had during my musical career, you know, it's it's interesting to look back upon my my career and see the different avenues where I've gone and working in advertising with commercials and jingles and a few of the few of the movies and the record dates and all. But we can talk about that in the future. I'd be glad to do it. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And until next time. Great, Paul. Thank you very much for asking. It's an honor, sir.
Okay. All right. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Hosted, written, and produced by Paul Leslie. Intro theme song, Alexander's Ragtime Band. Written by Irving Berlin. Performed by Dan Barrett. Outro scatting G-Things. Improvised, performed, and produced by John Goodwin. Until next time. Goodbye.